From India's largest newsroom, I'm Meenal Baghel and this is the Times of India podcast. I hate the term mental toughness because I don't believe in it at all. So I think you either need to be very self-aware and secure within who you are as a person or you need to be very very thick-skinned mm. in that stuff doesn't get to you and you're so unaware of stuff or so thick-skinned that it doesn't get through to you. So I'd say those are and I, it's not just those two but those are two of the most common. You've got the really self-aware athlete who's able to manage the criticism, manage the social media criticism, manage themselves through being dropped and being injured and disappointment and they it doesn't suck the life out of them it's a disappointment but they still have their life they still know who they are as a person they have their self esteem so they can keep going through difficulties where people have low self esteem and high ego and attach their results if they get dropped they get really depressed and they get injured they get even more depressed and that depression sucks them down they don't have the energy to go and practice and they actually end up not being picked and not making it for every pv sindhu or mirabai chanu who have won medals for india There have been many more athletes who have faced failure and heartbreak. American gymnast Simone Biles withdrew from the Olympics after suffering from twisties, which have been described as a sort of mental block that causes a gymnast to lose their sense of space and dimension when they're up in the air. Speaking to media in Tokyo, the superstar Biles stressed just how difficult this last one year of the pandemic has been for not just her but also for several other athletes preparing for the olympics i think just as a whole um not having an audience there are a lot of different variables going into it it's been a long week it's been a long olympic process it's been a long year um so just a lot of different variables and i think we're just a little bit too stressed out um but we should be out here having fun and sometimes that's not the case Simone Biles is not alone though when she draws on the connection between mental health and physical health. Earlier this year, Naomi Osaka withdrew from the French Open after she spoke about her battle with depression, and just last week, English cricketer Ben Stokes announced a break from professional cricket to address his issues of mental well-being. My colleague K Srinivas Rao speaks to top sports coaches about the pressures in the high-octane world of professional sport. and just how they deal with it the single most powerful thing to filter that is high self esteem i know who i am and i say to athletes all the time if somebody says you're great does that mean you're great and the answer is no it's just what it's their view of me it's nice to hear that so if somebody says that you really are not good and you don't deserve to be there does that mean it no it doesn't it's just their opinion of you it's their story but unfortunately what happens with human beings and i won't go into the neurophysiology of it that when we hear things that we want to hear that are nice and positive we hear it but that gets burned off the feel good gets burned off very quickly that's paddy upton who was the mental conditioning coach and the strategic leadership coach of the world cup winning indian cricket team in 2011 since then upton has coached several cricket teams across t20 leagues and is the author of the book The Barefoot Coach Life Changing Insights from Working with the World's Best Cricketers. Paddy Upton tells Casey Nivasrao about his approach to mental conditioning 
and why he thinks that by talking about a condition and withdrawing from the competition has been an act of great courage from Simone Biles. My role as a mental conditioning coach, one of the things I did was I provided information players to try and inform them to help them make better decisions, not just for their on-field performance, for the way they manage themselves off-field and in their lives. So I provided information on diet. I provided information on exercise, on the mental side of the game, obviously, on sleep, um, on the various things within their diet, within sugar, you know, sugars and alcohols and coffees and and red meats, and some of them were vegetarians and some not. So I was just providing information. And one of the natural things that people also do is we all have males have testosterone, uh, and there's a whole lot of things associated with that. And we know testosterone is associated with contact sports and with aggression and with masculinity. Uh, and the concept of, of sex and testosterone is linked. So it was about providing players with information you think Simone Biles is a winner for what she's done, for what she's expressed, for what she's come out and spoken of? So she's pulled out of the um, gymnastics citing yeah, mental yeah. illness. I don't know the backstory. So as someone who doesn't know the backstory and what's gone on and what's caused it, I, I can only hold her in the highest of admiration, standing up and saying, number one, having the awareness to say, I am struggling right. at that really, really high level. And I know she was... To get to that high level, you struggle through injury, you struggle through pain. She's trained harder than almost any human being, almost any athlete. The amount of training that a gymnast puts in from a young age is unfathomable for, for the average human being. So she has been through so much difficulty and stress and turmoil to get to where she's got to. So she's no stranger. She's just backing off because she doesn't feel that good. The fact that she's backed off and publicly said that on such a big stage, I think that's hugely admirable. I think the courage to be able to do that is amazing. I think the example is amazing. And what I can say to people who are sitting back is I know there are people who are criticizing her for letting the sport down or the country down or her team down or coaches down. I just say to those people, well, how much struggle and turmoil are you going through in your life to deliver the best for yourself and the people around you? And once you've done 10% of what Simone has done in your life, in your profession, and to serve people around you, then you're slowly becoming in a position where you can actually justifiably comment on her and actually your comment has value or traction or gravitas. Then beyond that is the environment, whether it's India, whether it's Australia, whether it's a really, really poor country, like you know one of the Latin American countries, Right. There's a societal pressure. And for me, what's important is the athlete needs to, the people that are important to the athlete are the people close to them and in and around them. And that societal pressure, if it gets through to them and they're allowed to get through to them, they must listen to it, but they mustn't take it on and allow it to get under their skin. It's there, it's noise, it happens out there. And it's normal and we can't stop it. But what's important, and it's not just for the athletes, I'm saying this to every person listening to this, is you will have your critics in whatever you do in life. And if you allow every one of your critics to get under your skin, you're going to have a very stressful life. Former physio of the Indian cricket team, John Gloucester, who is now head of sports sciences at Go Sports Foundation and who has worked closely with top Indian talent in the Olympics and the Paralympics, talks about how the pandemic has forced athletes to confront their issues of mental health. We always say that, you know, sport is 75% mental. 
Right. You know, so why do we only spend 5% of our time or less practicing that side of the game? COVID has forced us to think about the mental side of the game. Right. COVID has, has forced us into extremely uncertain, fearful, unknown environments. COVID has forced us to completely think out of the box and tackle uh, the topic of mental health, mental wellness and mental well-being more right. openly than we've ever had to before. And I think as a consequence of that, we're now going to see the more complete cricketer, the more complete athlete moving on to the world stage and beyond because we've now got the fitness, mm. we've now got the, for the physical, we've always had the technical, we've now embraced elements of the aggressive sort of uh, side of the game mm-hmm. and now we're starting to stitch into the whole equation, the, the mental side. That is why I think going forward beyond COVID, we're going to see a more complete athlete, not just in cricket, but yeah, a more complete in all athlete. Sports, right. uh, I think COVID also taught us and, and a lot of the athletes, one of the things that we looked at, and it's almost like opening the athlete's eyes up to the world of retirement. So uh-huh. we, we use, coined the term, you know, the phrase, you know, welcome to retirement, because suddenly they were not doing what they normally would be doing, competing, training, et cetera. There was no, at one point there, you know, last year, there was no end in sight to when we would ever get back onto the sporting field. Okay. So it gave athletes that opportunity to start planning for the most critical piece in their life, which is the life beyond their sport. Right, and most right. athletes struggle mentally uh, when their sport is taken away from them abruptly. Now, that can be through injury, sudden retirement, uh, poor performance, whatever it may be, and then they're lost. So this really gave them an opportunity to start, and, and we sort of helped our athletes through that process a little bit, was to give them that opportunity to look into the future. Let's start looking at mm-hmm. your life beyond sport and what are the other skills so we can perhaps start practicing now in order to engage that when it comes and engage it positively. So that was another really important aspect that we thought that we yes. should be exploring with our athletes during this period. Yeah, I think it's uh, COVID has really made us question the whole concept of the race, which is how we lead our lives. And I'm glad that we could, I mean, at whatever cost, but I'm glad that we could take a step back and really reevaluate what was happening. And for me, the biggest uh, positive that I see in this is that athletes have been able to expand their own sense of who they are. Mm-hmm. Normally, we're dealing with someone who has a very uh, strong athlete identity, where they associate themselves as being a player. And so, if they're playing well, they feel good about themselves. If they're playing poorly, they feel bad about themselves. If they're injured, suddenly they feel at a complete loss because right. other aspects of who they are are not given as much importance. And right. this is something that impacts us in our gaming transitions. It's something that impacts us during major competitions where we see this is the make or break moment of our lives, which adds Mm -hmm. so much pressure. Um, This is what uh, is so key in moving from one game to another. So if you have other aspects of your personality that you are uh, well acquainted with, that you've strengthened, whether it's relationships with uh, your team members, you know, personally, family or friends, whether it's another hobby that you've developed, That's psychologist Divya Jain, who conducted workshops for athletes during the lockdown. And she also works with Gloucester, the Go Sports Foundation. In her experience, Divya Jain says, a mentally fit athlete is also prone to far fewer injuries. You know, we were looking at what happened with Simon Biles. I mean, you know, the kind of statement that she gave. The, the immediate thing that came to mind was like, look at it from a, a kid, like you know, a teenager, like appearing for an exam. You have studied well for your entire duration of your course and everything, and you are at the final exam. 
This is like you and me going to our parents in class 12th at the final exam and saying, mom, look, I'm not in the right uh, you know, space right now uh, to, to write that exam. And I don't think I'll be able to take, pull it off. I need a break. I think really, really gutsy when an athlete can come and say health first before right. anything else. And I think that's something, that's a culture that we all need to imbibe. Hmm. Right. And we need to go beyond just a sense of a little bit of doubt. We're here looking at health. So even if we are looking at a class 12 student, board exam versus a potentially life-threatening condition, would you say, okay, you know, maybe uh, let's deal with the health first, make sure that you're okay. And then exams will come and we'll find a way out, right? So it's not just about the risk of a bad shot. We're looking at a potentially dangerous injury. And this is where I think it's good that the psychological interface with injury is something that we're starting to talk about. This mm-hmm. is not something that we address, which is right. that psychological factors play a huge role in disposing someone to having a chance of, a, of an injury, right? It's not right. just something that's used in rehabilitation, you know, because the psychological pressures, if, you're, if your mind and body are not in the same place, mm-hmm. right, your focus mm-hmm. is off, you're not being able to execute the task that you're looking at, you might tend to be a bit distracted. So chances of injury across sport actually increase. Right. Both John Gloss and Divya Jain tell K. Srinivas Rao about the mental toll that life in a bio-bubble takes on sports stars and how they help them work through these issues to find greater resilience. I've been you know, hearing stories about Olympic athletes in Tokyo now yeah. who were practicing in isolation. And isolation can take a real toll, right? So one of my roles, certainly within the sporting world, particularly with those roles, is, is the what we call the environment manager. Yes, I'm a physio. Yes, I'm in sports medicine. Yes, I'm the COVID mm. manager. Yes, I'm, you know, we've all had to wear these other hats now during the COVID right. world. One of the things that I've had to embrace is this concept of being the environment manager and creating environments where our athletes and cricketers are most at ease um, and are able to express themselves outside of their sporting arena. Mm-hmm. So, and that comes down to things like hotel selection. You know, where mm-hmm. and, and the type of hotel that you select is critical. So we we also, uh, through some help of others, coined, this, coined the phrase that, you know, your hotel becomes your sports psychologist effectively. The environment that you create within that hotel and its, and its surrounds is critical to maintaining the positive mental outcomes and mental health status of our of our cricketers. So in the UAE, it was, you know, uh, having access to a beach, a private beach, right. having access to green grass space outside, having access to other activities. So we've got uh, golf, tennis, horse riding, you know, all these other activities that are within the constraints of our hotel. Right. The number one thing, and, and as well as our team areas and team sports places and, 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 and the room environment, um, but... The number one thing that we found with our Indian boys was getting the food right. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how much our Indian cohort rely on food for comfort. Yes. Um, so if you're, you know, 11 weeks or whatever it was, we were in our, you know, bio bubble in the Middle East. If you don't get the food bit right, particularly for the Indian lads, then you really, really struggle. I think this is where the the administrators of the game need to come to the party as well, and and. And, and recently I said that I think it's really important that all the selectors, the team selectors at some point in time should spend an entire um, campaign inside a bio bubble as well. So they understand exactly what the stresses and strains are like being inside these confined environments month right. on month on month. 
and 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 therefore, if a player chooses to opt out of a series or a tour or a tournament, right. then that shouldn't be held against them in in, in future selection uh, cases. You know, so the sensitivity from the administrators, from the selectors now has to be much greater around these issues because we haven't really experienced it like this before. For me, I think key is to make sure that our players are not uh, sitting in their rooms, in their beds and staring at a smartphone, exactly. uh, scrolling through mm. social media all the time. I think that right. is the yeah. biggest uh, and that's something so we've all struggled with. I don't even think it's just athletes. We've all experienced that same kind of isolation. Right. So it's a right. lot about finding ways to stay engaged. The sports person has got only that much time to make the most of that one mm. gift that he or she has been blessed with. Now, sitting in a lockdown, what is the sports person or what's actually thinking? That, oh my God, like I am, my two years have already gone down the drain, right? Mm. I have to make the most of, so even that is adding up and, and that yeah. is an extra burden on the mind. We saw that very early on and, and that was, we predicted that very early on. So we just said that this is the opportunity because you have such a limited sort of uh, lifespan in your careers, that what can you do during this period that is going to make the next few years of your career even more special and even more powerful? What are the tools? Because everybody's stuck here, whether we like it or not. It's what you do with this time and how you use this opportunity. Because time is the thing that most athletes don't have. We never have time to do the little thing. So we said now is the time to practice the things that you would never get to practice, particularly the mental side of your game. If that's the limiting factor in sport performance, which we've identified it to be, then why don't we use this period to practice that? Drill down on that. So yes, you may have lost a year of competition or whatever, but right. you should be coming back a far better athlete. Badi Upton believes that though an athlete's career graph may not be too long, at no cost can they afford to confuse success with only the end result. He says, if ever athletes find criticism and pressures from social media taking a toll on their performance and health, they need to address deeper psychological issues. When somebody says something negative or criticizes us, that is much more sticky. The, the neurochemistry that happens is much more powerful and much more long-lasting. That's why you can have athletes, they have 30 people say something nice, one person criticizes them and that piece of criticism stays with them that day, that night, the next day, and they forget about the other 30 nice things. So, and we see that with the current Olympics, you know, and there's a, it's a fascinating debate, you know, some coaches and some athletes and some parents say, don't read social media as an athlete. It's not the social media. That's just a benign, that's just words on a screen. Yeah. It's if the negativity affects you badly, then it's, it's for me, there's two things. Well, number one, then don't read social media. And number two, you need to ask yourself the question, what, what is it about you that somebody else's words of criticism that's actually got nothing to do with you, it's their mental position, why is that affecting you so much? That suggests you have work to do on yourself to build your own self-esteem, your self-worth, so that some clown who's sitting on the couch, who's overweight, who's never has done stuff in his life, hasn't amounted to much, says that you're useless. Why on earth should that bother you? It means that there's something inside you that is resonating with that that, that that needs work on. For me, success is following great processes excellently and delivering the best possible results that I'm able to deliver based on my skill, my life. 
if you do that, for me, that is success. Publicly, that is not success. Publicly, success is a gold medal. So athletes then need to decide. So what is actually important? Um, a great example is Lance Armstrong. So Lance Armstrong won seven gold, seven uh, Tour de France's. He was the, you know, the greatest cyclist of all time. And he got so much admiration and took the sport to a place. Now he did that by being the best drug cheat in the world, making sure he had the best drug doctor, which also meant that the, he knew other people were drugging. So he even bought, made sure that other athletes and cyclists couldn't get the expertise in drug cheating that he got. He kept the drug expertise for himself. And I think he paid a million dollars or something to the one doctor who was his advisor. So you can go to that extreme in order to win, to get your fame and your admiration and your gold medals. You win in the public eye in that moment, but you lose in life. Lance Armstrong has lost in life. It's something that the athletes need to deal with, knowing that I give my best. And if I go to bed at night knowing I've given my best, that's enough. Today's episode was produced by Arun George, Jairaj Singh and Joshua Thomas. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We are available on TUI+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, reach us at tuipodcasts at timesinternet.in.